detective. Thrill me. Welcome back to the Thrill Me podcast. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. I'm your host, Adam. Sitting next to me, my co-host, Jared. Adam, good to How be joining are you, mate? you for another one here. You were obviously uh, up in Melbourne, I believe, recently. Yes, I was. And uh, just briefly for the weekend. Yeah, and what was happening down there? I was getting along to uh, Supernova, ah. which is a convention that we have here. Yeah. The convention scene is still fairly, fairly young in Australia in terms of like that Comic-Con style thing where there's a bit of everything. I myself have probably been going to Supernova in Melbourne for about five, six years now, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I braved the costume masses and... Didn't go in costume? I didn't go in costume, no. No? Um, probably a bit past doing that. Okay. Plus, when you're getting around by yourself to some of those things, uh, it looks even a little bit weirder okay. if you're in costume. Fair enough. <laughs> um, what, was, what were the highlights? Standouts? Well, standouts, in terms of the podcast, there, there has to be one clear standout. That was Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. He was great. He was really good. Spent some time in a room with Dolph. Oh, yeah, yeah, but large room with a few hundred people. Yeah. But, um, uh, he was yeah, good? he was really good. Yeah. He was really good. Um, I've always liked the people that show a bit of respect to the, to the fans um, when you go into these things. I've come across one or two who just feels like they couldn't be bothered to be there. Yeah. Um, Paycheck sort of thing. Yeah, just cash the check and that. Dolph was sort of, uh, he wasn't overly enthusiastic. He wasn't one of these people that's obviously been tapped on the shoulder by the the, um, the TV show they're currently working for and say, hey, you know, put on a good show <laughs> for these people. He just seemed like a sort of laid back, pretty decent sort of guy. Yeah. Treated everyone with with respect and had a bit of fun and a few laughs. And, oh, good. Uh, yeah, it was good. Very good. Very good. Anything else that cropped up? Oh, there was a couple, uh, probably not related to the action. Actually, no, there was. There was one big one that I saw. um, Saw Five Minutes of Fury Road. Um, They screened an exclusive bit of footage at the the convention. Um, We got our phones taken off us and got... Scanned with metal security and things like that. Heavy security? Was, yeah, heavy security, secret service looking fellas with the shades and the earpieces and things. Yeah. But yeah, they screened a five-minute fight scene and it was awesome. Yeah. It was absolutely awesome. So um, is, is, is it fair to say that you're at fever pitch on Fury Road? I'm at it's fever a must? pitch. Absolute must. Uh, they, they, I didn't hang around um, to see – they were speaking to one of the stunt uh, coordinators and – can't remember what the other fellow was. I think he had uh, something to do with storyboards or, or scripts or something like that. They they spoke to them. Yeah, I had to get somewhere else pretty quickly, so uh, I didn't hang around to hear all of them. But um, the the footage just got me, as you said, salivating fever pitch. Wet. They didn't it didn't, didn't reveal anything about the plot. Uh, didn't re- reveal. It, there was barely any dialogue in it. It was just a. a sort of really well choreographed five-minute fight scene. And, yeah, awesome. I cannot Excellent. wait for it. Excellent. Look, today's uh, tonight's episode will be the 1987. I think we'd call this a classic, wouldn't we? I definitely would. Arnold Schwarzenegger's Predator. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe Jared touched, touched on it as one of his favourites back in the day. We've talked about this before, but... Mm. We're going to be covering that in depth, but we'll start off with what we've been watching and since we last recorded, and it has been a little while since yes. we last recorded, so there's a bit of, there's a, bit of a list here for me. Yeah, and, and I look, believe I, you've got a long one. I have covered all the genres 
I'm not just some knucklehead who who watches action movies and horror movies. You're a knucklehead I've gone, who watches other I, movies. <laughs> I'm an idiot who covers the whole the whole gamut. You're of a genres. knucklehead who decides to watch a period drama and goes, "What the fuck's this? <laughs> What's going on here?" <laughs> no, hey, look, yeah, let me tell you what I've watched. Well, nothing's blown up yet with the <laughs> with the wife and my daughter. We watched a uh, romance film called Love Rosie. It wasn't very good, but it, it was a British rom com. I'll just edit that bit out. No, no, no. Hey, full disclosure. Full disclosure. I watched a really good documentary by Werner Herzog called Into the Abyss, and it was about um, two death row inmates, mm-hmm. um, which was really interesting. Whiplash. Oh, yeah. I've been hanging to see that. Really, really good. Yep. Really good. Um, in fact, it feels almost like a thriller hmm. in parts. It's funny that you think that. It's more of a drama, but the bits where he's chastising the group and it feels like it's building to something really, you know, like a thriller would. And it's really, really well done. And J.K. Simmons is fantastic. I've uh, I've already stated to you that I'm a Miles Teller fan. Yeah, and he's, he's really very good, good as well. Uh, um, care, to, care to sort of, you know, tell us what you thought about before we play? Look, look. I'm not going to go into that. He wasn't my <laughs> favourite like in the Footloose, the Footloose remake. He came across as a hayseed. <laughs> he did, he no, but he was really bad. He was employed that. when they gave him the role, said, here, buddy, he's Put a hat character. On. <laughs> You're a hayseed. Yeah, I know, but he was just, he was a really bad, bad, he wasn't up to his best then. That was his first movie or something, so I'm prepared to cut him a bit of slack. I All saw right. the talent from Day Dot. What else have I watched? Uh, that's right. I sat through Halloween 6, the producer's cut. Mm. Fuck. Still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm still trying to work out what that movie's about. Yeah, that was a, that was a nice little way to um, squeeze another 30 bucks out of us. Yeah. yeah. Nah. Producer's cut. Oh, shit. Better yeah, look well, at this one. I mean, I, thankfully, I got mine in a whole box set. In the oh, Blu-ray so they box. squeezed so, another hundred bucks out of you. Yeah, well, they squeezed hundred and forty out of me for twelve <laughs> on the, films. On the strength, about of a, eight of which are shit. Yeah, on the strength of a producer's cut, and a few been, features. I've been screwed on that box. <laughs> shit. Um, what else? I watched Halloween three. Yep. It's not a Halloween movie. It's not that bad. It's just not a Halloween movie, but it's got problems. I think if you look closely at it. You look too closely at it, you can see mm. that it's got all sorts of problems. But if it was just called Season of the Witch and it wasn't a Halloween film, it probably would have done better with the with the fans. Yeah, I think of it horror was, uh, in general. I, I've got to check it out again because it's been a few years since I watched it, but I remember it being a bit of fun. Let me put it to you this way, though. I was never angry. Tom Adkins plays Dr. Chalice, and Dr. Chalice is right up there with the worst doctors ever. I mean, there's Kevorkian. Then there's Chalice, and the, <laughs> these guys are both awful human beings. <laughs> what else did I go for? Oh, that's right. I went to Bollywood. Ugh, I watched God. a Bollywood movie. Why <laughs> 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 this is so funny? I'm trying to get a, 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 an equal palette. Uh, it was called yeah. Student of the Year. It was... Two and a half hours long, or two hours and 40 minutes. Um, it was very much a Bollywood film that had a real Western influence. You could see a lot of the Western influences and, you know, yeah. Hollywood-type influences. I'll say this. It was never boring. 
ever. Right. Like it always had something going on. Not all of it was good. Okay, tell Honestly? me this. Tell, yeah. just, tell, just tell me this. You don't need to, to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Just one question. Yeah. Will you watch another Bollywood film? Probably not. Okay, so that tells us all we need just, to know. Just, just because they're too long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't get through 90 minutes. It's just a, it's just a difference in, in cultures. Mm, yeah. It's not, it's not a racial thing. I did giggle there, but no, there's nothing racial no. about it. It's just a culturally different experience. Yeah. And I, for one... I, you know, I don't particularly like the sort of dancing and singing in every movie. <laughs> yeah, like I have seen um, I have seen bits and pieces of some of them, and then they're, they're competently made films. Oh yeah, they're very um, well made. They do tend to churn them out pretty quick. Yeah. So for the for the time that they they put into them and that sort of thing, they are competently made, and they. Uh, they make a lot of money. Oh, they do, and and um, but it's just yeah, not my sort of thing. This this movie had money in it. Yep. There was no doubt it was made for a lot of money. It was very competently made. The acting was fine. All the stuff in it was really good. But it, but like a lot of these sort of films, I think you'll find is they're very schizophrenic. They've got a little bit of everything. Yeah. There, there's it's it's a very much a bit of this, bit of that, bit of this. It's like yeah, a big pot. That's one thing that tends to come <coughs> across me. is that they take a bits and pieces of what's yeah. popular at the time. Yes. Yeah. Hodgepodge. And that's kind of what you got. Um. But I was never. I was. I was entertained. I was never bored at any stage during it. It's just that not all of it clicks with you. No. We're used to a very sort of a very American sort of take on classic sort of stories, yeah. classic structures, and things like that. And it's not necessarily the way it the works same thing. In yeah, yeah. So I guess that's part of it. What we've been conditioned to. Oh, I also oh. watched Battle Los Angeles again. Again? Yeah, I've seen it before. Twice? No, I didn't watch it twice, but I've seen it before. <laughs> right, okay. Um, it, it's all right. Right. <laughs> and I think that was all of them. There's probably a couple of others, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. What about you? Let me guess. You were fucking slumming it. No. Hey, you slumming I, it? I was, I was um, reaching for the heights, mate. I finished out. Well, sorry. I haven't finished out. Um, I've got to watch the remake, but I... Went through the entire Friday the 13th set, watching the film and then watching the chapter, the corresponding chapter from yeah. Crystal Lake Memories. I know you mentioned this a couple of um, podcasts yeah, ago that you'd I'd watched uh, two, three, three, four, I think you'd watched in the... Oh, I might have got up yeah, to part you, four. You, you were yet, about so. to get to five and I believe your response was that five's the real, five's the, the tester yeah. for you. It's probably still true. Mm. I've, I'm up to Freddie and Jason. I've watched Freddie and Jason, so I've basically just got the, the remake to go. Yeah. Quite honestly, I enjoyed every one of them. Even the ones that I didn't particularly like, I don't know whether well, not your favourite, softened, so I've softened on them over the years and even the, even the ones that I think are a, a duds because this is the stuff that I like to watch and, and Friday the 13th and Jason is something that I really enjoy. I just, I, I kind of liked watching them all. Mm. Obviously, it was a bit difficult to get through certain patches of something like Part 5 where they've got the two hillbillies oh, and <laughs> the God. characters and that sort of stuff. Um, part 8 was a bit of a struggle. You come but in here and, the, what is it? You come in here and eat my stew yeah, and that guy turns up, God. we'll work for food yeah, and he gets yeah. stabbed five minutes later. Like, oh, As Jesus. I said to you, I think, they might, I think he might have just stepped <laughs> onto the set while the Excuse camera me. was rolling. Yeah. We'll, He's we'll fo- talk about fodder. Talk about fodder. That that's that's fodder. Just just for my personal opinion, and again, I haven't watched all these movies recently like you have, so I, you know I'm going back. The worst one of the series for me is Part Eight. 
because yeah, it's, it's boring. There's something boring about it. Five yeah. is garbage, but it's never boring. Especially not when um, Miguel Nunes is on the toilet and singing. And <laughs> <laughs> that's quite funny. But you know what I discovered this time around is why I kind of, why I liked them. I was endlessly comparing, you know, what was the best scene in this movie? What was the best mm. costume? What was the best Jason costume? Who were my favorite Jasons? This sort of stuff. And every single one of them has something that came up for yeah. me. I could find a point in every single one for why I, what what I liked about them. So yeah, it's been really it's been fun to do do the whole series again. Um, I'm going to do the exact same thing with Elm Street. Uh, watch the films and then um, never sleep again. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, if only Halloween had a quality. I really wish Halloween package. had a quality one because um, the 25 Years of Terror or whatever it was was yeah, pretty poor, pretty bad. But yeah, I'm gonna gonna watch through Halloween as well. Just but sort of... but the Blu-ray box has making ofs or retrospectives on all of them. So basically you could do the same thing as what you've done. Yeah. Because the retrospectives are quite deep. They're probably half an hour each. So yes. you probably you can get it out of it. So um, you better bring that over. I better bring that just over. Just leave it with me for six yeah. months. Huh? You can stick it up your ass for yeah, a while. Yeah, I'll love I'll uh I'll just open up part six and vomit all over <laughs> it for you. <laughs> well yeah we just uh, letting letting everyone know out there that we we're going to do a podcast in the future. Um a sort of a Halloween five versus Halloween six. Uh, Jared seems to think that Halloween 5 is a better film than Halloween 6. I disagree. We are going to come to the table with arguments. No, see, I've got to stop you there. You said, I think it's a better film. I think a better choice of phrasing would be not as bad a film <laughs> as part six. I disagree. Both, they are both stinkers. <laughs> I disagree. But, so we're going, to have a, we're going to have it out. Yeah, and I I think you're completely wrong. You cannot you cannot dig any lower than part six. <laughs> Actually, no, 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 you can, and it was the no, one. I think it. we might have to we might have to um we, we might have to title this the battle for the second worst of the series because Halloween, Rob yes, Halloween two, that's probably sucks. the worst. But we'll get into that at a later date, I'm sure. Anything else, mate, other than the Friday the Thirteenth um, films? Oh, there was something else. I can't really remember. We'll leave it at that. Oh, actually. Started to check out Daredevil, right? And Any good? Loving it. Yeah, loving it to, to start with. But um, uh, yeah, only only very very early into it. First episode down. So okay, good. All right, well, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll get into 1987's Predator. Before she says the jungle, it just came alive and took him. It kills for pleasure. He was skinned alive. It hunts for sport. It's killing us one at a time. No! But this time, if it bleeds, we can kill it. It's picked the wrong man to hunt. Ah! Arnold Schwarzenegger, Predator, rated R. The hunt begins Friday at theaters everywhere. Now, I'm just going to actually, I was supposed to say this early, early on, but um, I do apologize for my voice currently. I am fighting through some cold issues, and I've got my sort of 1 800 call me sort of voice on so i do <laughs> i do apologize for that i have been fighting a cold barry bissell better watch out mate. he might be out of a job shortly 1987's predator directed by john mctiernan who went did direct some of the best action movies of probably ever in die hard hunt for red october uh, i believe he also did last action hero so he took a bit of a fall then. Then he went to jail, I believe, recently. So he has made a movie for all. I don't know what's worse, though, jail or <laughs> rollable. Actually, rollable. <laughs> Rollable's worse. Um, we saw that in the cinema. I <laughs> know. Oh, 
Oh, God. That was on a... Uh, um, wasn't it on a movie marathon? Yeah. Fuck. Jeez. It was the last movie of the night, too. Oh, shit. It's, it's produced by Joel Silver, Charles Gordon, and John Davis. Joel Silver has had a very lucrative career as a producer with such films as several of the Die Hards, uh, the Lethal Weapon series, uh, Sherlock Holmes movies. Yeah, those other two guys, they, the three of them also produced Die Hard as well. It was written by Jim and John Thomas. They wrote also wrote the sequel. Hmm. Uh, my understanding of the um, from the special features on the DVD is that Shane Black was employed as an actor and also to also work in the capacity of a rewrite yeah, guy. Yeah, he just got handfuls of pages. So I think... Can you have a look at this for a show yeah. while you're here? Yeah. <laughs> Although it's not credited in any way, I think you'll find that he probably wrote a hell of a lot of it. The movie obviously starts Arnold Schwarzenegger as Dutch. Uh, we all know Schwarzenegger from his classics as The Terminator, many other, Batman and Robin, mm. many other gems. Yep. Uh, Carl Weathers as Dylan. <laughs> he was in Action Jackson, Rocky, the Rocky films. Happy Gilmore. <laughs> That's right, he was in Happy Gilmore. Chubbs. Yeah. It's all in the hips. The movie was budgeted, I believe, at about $17 million and made about 60 or 70 in the US. It was quite a hit for Arnie. I think it was really his breakout, breakout film. Um, he'd been making a few sort of fairly profitable films like Conan and Co. beforehand, but this was one that really put him over the top. Jared, your general thoughts, mate? Yeah, I think it's probably uh, going to be pretty obvious because we have mentioned this one before and I have mentioned that this was one that used to come on TV a lot when I was a young lad and I used to watch it a lot. I would probably put this in one of my top ten films ever. I love it. Mm. Absolutely love it. I'm going to give it a five. Yeah. Five out of five straight off the bat. Not much else to say. Uh, I just think it's great. I know, like uh, We're going to go into what we really liked about it, but that blend of action with a little bit of sci-fi uh, just just got me. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a massive sci-fi fan. I, I would say I'm a fan. I was never one to sort of get into like Star Trek and mm. you know, Babylon 5 and all that sort of stuff. Did grow up on Star Wars, loving that sort of stuff. <laughs> Jeez, um, so, yeah, I, I do like those sort of sci-fi elements in things. And this just had the perfect amount spliced in with some action that I, you know, it, it just hit just hit every mark for me. Yeah. I would thoroughly agree. It's definitely a five out of five. I would agree. It, although not in my top ten, I feel that it's right up there with something like Die Hard as far as great action films go. Uh, and it's no surprise that McTiernan's directed both of them. There's a very... He, he just knew his way around action. He seemed to get films that were not only good action films but had good scripts. Mm. It just seemed to be a luxury for him in the 80s. But all around, the sci-fi elements, the horror elements, the action elements, Schwarzenegger's probably, I think, as good as he's been in any of his movies. From a personal standpoint, I believe this is Arnold Schwarzenegger's best movie. Agreed. Um, even p- above the Terminator films and yep. True Lies, some of those really good ones. It's definitely a five out of five. Likes, mate. Likes. Let's get into the likes. Well, straight off the bat, me and you both sort of picked up on this was the, the exposition at the start. It's just enough. 
That's mm. it's quick, concise, and then we get straight into it. Mm. You we know, meet the team in what? Maybe a two, two to three minute scene in the helicopter? Yeah. Um, and prior to that, we get a little bit about Dylan, uh, Dylan and, um, and Dutch. And their history. And their history. And it's just enough. We don't get massive backstories. We just get some sharp dialogue that gives us a sense of who these guys are, what their place is in the team. You mm-hmm. know, it's just what you need. You know, it, it it works really well. There's also those dialogue pieces, and I mentioned it when we were watching it. Is just that simple bit of dialogue at the start where Schwarzenegger and Dylan are standing at the table with the the, the general, and they're talking about the mission, and they're talking about how this helicopter disappeared and and whatever. And Dylan mentions something about. Why'd you pass on Libya? And Schwarzenegger sort of goes, oh, "It wasn't really my style." And he sort of says, "Why'd you pass?" He presses him a bit harder, and Schwarzenegger says, "We're a rescue team, not assassins." Mm. And you just—that's just one line of dialogue that tells you that these guys—they're not, they're, yes, they're mercenaries or whatever you want to call them, but they—they they have a sort of a code or whatever you want to say that makes makes them sort of. The good guys, you, you sort of yeah, see yeah. them as the good guys, well, even though they're probably doing some shady shit. Like yeah, it's, well, it's look at it this way: if that wasn't Arnie in that role, you'd still know that was the hero. Yeah, just because of that line, you'd know he's got a sort of moral code. Yeah, it's just good writing. Yeah, it's just in one line they tell you a lot. They tell you a lot about this guy, um, and I mean that's that's good writing to me. It's just sharp dialogue that actually has a purpose to it. Yeah, and they use it several times in that first half hour. Yeah. There's a couple of really good, simple, one-line explanations for things that give you exactly what you need yeah, to move forward and know what these characters are about or a specific situation is actually about. That's good exposition. And yeah. in this film, they know their audience. They know we want to get into the action and see that, so they just give you enough. It's, I mean, this just to me, this is a how-to how to set up a team in a movie in quick time. That beginning I, of it was, yeah, textbook, how to do it for an action. I, I don't think sure. it's been done any better, except maybe, I mentioned this when we watched it as well, I think Aliens actually does it better, but they take a little bit more time with Aliens. Yep. And it works in the context of Aliens as a movie because it is a bit more of a slow burn for that first hour. Um, but Predator has only a finite amount of time to give you this team before they're hitting the gorilla camp. It's probably 15 in, I think, when you hit the gorillas. Yeah, and a lot of that is still not, um, you know, them uh, when they sort of get there, they're moving through the, the jungle and that, so there's a few minutes off there where they're not really talking. They're yeah. just sort of, sort of, you know, showing us the, the lay of the land. And So they only have a small amount of time to get it across who these guys are, and they do it really, really well, yep. really well. The jungle setting was another one of my big, big likes. Yeah. It was something uh, a bit unusual for this type of movie, I think, to set the entire thing yeah. almost in that sort of jungle setting. And it just works very, very well because it's this little kind of cat and mouse game that they're in and they're constantly surrounded by this environment where the predator could be anywhere, yeah. you know. Um, and it just uh, – I, I talked about it as similar to like Halloween, how Halloween's always got that sense of dread around it and they yeah. build that by sort of Michael popping up here and there. Well, in this one, the predator's popping up every now and then, but they give you that extra element of just this thick coverage all around them. 
It's kind of it's, claustrophobic. Yeah, it's because claustrophobic. It's, it's, it's overhanging and it's kind of got a rainforest almost sort of feel mm. about you, it. You've always got the sort of, you know, the background noise of, a, you know, a few sort of uh, animals or whatever. Yeah, you, you yeah. Know, Birds and things like that. Um, it also affords them a couple of opportunities to, to sort of get you on the edge of your seat by, you know, everything's quiet and, and they're building a bit of drama and, oh, shit, there's a snake or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Or, oh, um, somebody's grabbed him, but it's not the predator, it's somebody yeah. else, you know. Um, it just, and that's just simple sort of well. stuff that just it works perfectly for that particular piece because they're not, again, they're not, they're not saying that this is like a whodunit. <laughs> But they're just giving no. you those little jolts just to make you go, oh, shit, you know, there's something around and we know there's something there. Yep. But what is it? In the first 20, we have no idea what we're seeing. Yeah, and it's just that it just adds to that sense of, uh, like you said, it's not a whodunit. We know that there's something. We just don't know what it is for a while, but we know there's something that they have to watch out for and it makes it very difficult to watch out for it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think I mentioned it when we were watching it. You, you get the sense that these guys are used to using this this environment to their advantage, yeah. and now it's been turned against them. So I think that was one of the big strong points for it. Yeah, and then by that stage we've hit the compound. Yep. Which look, it's slightly overbaked the <laughs> compound, and we did point out that this is that scene is actually directed by one Craig Baxley who directed some shit that we talked about a few episodes ago called Stone Cold. And he loves an explosion. Loves it. But I kind of think it works here. You could take it out and put it in another movie, a missing in action movie, and it would be the best part of the movie. It's probably not the best part of this movie. No. Because this is a far better movie. But it does the job. It shows that these guys are resourceful, have great firepower, and are a very strong. You know, they're, they're the best of the best. So yeah. they come in, they clean this joint out, and they do it by bombing the place yeah, <laughs> back well, to the Stone Age. They do it with the maximum amount of explosions oh. as uh, the budget would allow, Mr. Baxter. And guys are flying through the air in <laughs> slow-mo. They're on fire, and, yeah. and one guy's got a minigun <laughs> on his back. <laughs> that seems to set fire to oh, trees. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, that... But I think uh, the way you put it was was right. It It works because... It doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. We only get this short burst of, yeah. of explosions and compounds blowing up. There are sort of other bits in the movie where similar things happen, but it, it's it's after this, I was going yeah. to use the word subtle. Yeah. I'd probably have to, to say after this, it gets a bit more subtle with that sort of stuff. Yeah. This, though, it, like you said, it works because you walk in there and you know these are the bad guys because you see um, a, a man that is – Slightly more hairy and, and darker than, than an aglo person. Yeah. Killing an aglo person. He shoots one of the hostages. <laughs> and he blur, blurts out something in another language. Yeah. So, oh, shit, that's the bad guys. You know, it is yeah. the 80s. So. You're basically <laughs> supposed to see that scene and go, you fucking cocksucker. <laughs> Get him, Arnie. Mm. You know, like, and that, it works perfectly for yep. that. And you don't need to know anything about these guys. The setup early on says group of gorillas. Probably, you know, they were shot down. Our our cabinet minister was shot down, and he's in enemy hands. This is enemy hands. And again, it's I I just sort of made fun of it by the kind of you know we've got to make sure they're not Anglo and they look different to us and talk different to us. But aside from that element of it, it is smart because 
like you said, we know this is where they want to get to. We know this is the bad guys. Mm. But by putting it up front, right in front of your face, bang, he kills one of the hostages. That just justifies blowing the f- shit out of everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, And it automatically goes, all right, we're moving on them. Yeah. Like we don't waste a lot of time watching these guys and trying to work out how the best to get at them. Immediately one of the hostages is shot. Okay, we move, you yeah. know. And so... I think that that actually that scene actually works. It's bombastic as hell. Yeah, and it's probably somewhat out of place, but it does. Like we said, it shows they are the best and they are resourceful. You yeah. see things like, you know, they're about to charge in and then oh, hold up, clips the wires the and yeah, yeah. Then Arnie gets down there and instead of you know starting off with guns blazing, he sneaks up, cuts the the um, belt on that. Uh, yeah, the washing the thing or whatever, the, water yeah, yeah. And, pump. And straps a bomb to the back, lets it go. Like, it's it's kind of clever. Then, he's, sort of, then he starts sort of guns thing. blazing. Then the guns are blazing. <laughs> the guns are and blazing the big for... guns are blazing, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, look, I think that the scene does work. It's slightly over the top, and I did point out in the previous podcast that the director of this film does state that he, he finds that scene the worst of the movie because mm. um, it's the second unit. Sequence. Yep. Um, I disagree. I don't think it's that bad. I think yeah. he's he's forgetting that the context of where that scene is. Yeah, it doesn't lower the colours at all, and those little things that we mentioned make it just just slightly different and slightly I guess slightly if, smarter by just if making I'm, those little. If I'm being if I if I'm looking at it this way, that's the shut your brain off at the door scene. There's no, there's no necessity to know anything. We're just going to blow everything up. This is an action piece, right? Yeah. The rest of the movie is providing us with the subtleties and all that. Yeah. This is just to get you in the mood. It's an action f- film. Yep. Um, Arnie throws a quip or two around. Knock, knock, you know, stick around, this sort yeah, of shit. Yeah, yeah. That's a prerequisite. That was prerequisite Arnie. It had to be in those movies. So... Instead of going, no, 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 this isn't a movie for that kind of lowbrow bullshit, they decided, well, look, we'll give the audience what they want in this short scene and then we'll move forward. Then, then the audience will be going, what the hell is Arnie up against? So I think it works perfectly for that, for this movie. Honestly, I, don't, I, I kind of don't understand the director's problem with it. No, I, you can kind of see it because, like you said, it is compared to the rest of the movie, it's over the top and it is... It does sort of get a little bit of that standard action about it, but yeah. I think the the points that we mentioned, it doesn't lower the colours of this movie. No. At all. Now, the Predator. Predator. The Predator is pretty much unseen for half an hour. Yeah. Um, minimum. We, we, we don't see anything. All we see is the heat vision. Yep. He gets The only thing that's introduced in that first half hour is his hand. Yeah, and he's looking at that through the heat vision when you see it. And you can see that he's picking up people's voices and yeah. digesting them and re... That first sort of introduction through the heat vision and processing the, the Billy's laugh just works so well because yeah. you know something's watching them but, but and then putting the hand in there, you know, okay, well, it's not human. And that laugh kind of lends it just a, a kind of horror movie vibe. Yeah. Sounds like Vincent Price had a thriller or something. Yeah, it works really, really well. Let me ask you this, though, Jared. And I kind of thought this when we were watching it there, but I didn't know whether to bring it up as a dislike or not. 
could they have not had the scene at the start with the alien ship depositing the predator and keep it as a vibe of what the hell is what what the hell is this? Because I must admit, looking back on it now, you see the heat vision. You know that the, the movie started with an alien getting dumped into Earth, so you put two and two together, and that's what you get. Yeah. Uh, Whereas you could have gone with even more mystery and gone, well, what the, what hell, the is hell is this? Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. I I probably don't think it's much of an issue because although you know it's it's likely an alien, yeah, you still don't know what it's going to look like or what yeah. it can do. So yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I don't think I don't know if it was necessary, but I do kind of like that thing at the start. Yeah. Maybe it's, I don't know, I mean, we're so familiar with it now, it's hard to look at it with fresh eyes and say... Yeah, well, it's hard, it's hard to say that they take it out, or they shouldn't shouldn't have had it, yeah, considering but, uh, it but doesn't said, wreck the movie in any way. I think regardless of what, of what it is, it still maintains... Uh, by saying, uh, yeah, we know it's an alien, we still don't know what it can do and what it, what it looks like. Yeah. What, and that's how, you know, that's what they sort of tease us with and, and drip feed us the rest of the movie. Yeah. The predator. Once we see its hand, we then see it's in camouflage mode. We then see its eyes. You know where its eyes go. Whoosh, yep. And flash. We then see a, a leg yeah. and an arm. It takes the cloak off. But and you see that. But we're an hour in. Yeah. By the exactly. time we've actually seen, we haven't seen its head. We haven't seen anything yeah. yet. Yeah. When it's doing a bit of running repairs on itself, when you yeah. first see the sort of uncloaked hand yeah. and and arm and everything. You get a you get a split second glimpse, yeah, and you wouldn't have wouldn't have really been able to get much where it screams detail. It? Yeah, 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 you wouldn't have been able to get much detail had you not sort of freeze framed. Or... Uh, I I initially thought that when you f- you first see it when it lands in the water after Arnold's fallen off the cliff, but actually that's not true. You first see it for a brief second when um, Carl Weathers gets his arm blown off, hmm. and it comes around the side of the tree and it loses its cloak for a second. And you see it in full. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. I mean, uh, that's kind of, um, yeah, that split second I was talking about when it's still in the running repairs, yeah. you see it in full as well. But, yeah. but that's so that's, that's quick, real quick. You can't. Just and flash, it's, a, it's yeah. from sort of a, a high, ang- a low angle looking up. Yeah. Whereas this is a straight angle of him yeah. front on. And even that, it's pretty quick. Yeah. So he they, goes back into the cloak. Yeah. We, we just get that drip feed and just a little bit more each time, a little bit, uh, get to know a little bit more what he can do. And we finally see it in full, really in that final battle, that man and man versus alien battle in the last yeah. twenty. And even when, even when you do see it coming out of the water, and you get a, you know, you get views of, of, of what it actually looks like. Yeah, it's still got a mask on. Yeah, that's right. You never see its actual face until yeah. the last five. So you, they, they really hold hold cards to play. Yeah, the whole way along. Another thing that I think is a like, and and you know. For a young guy, um, back when I first saw it, the gore is plentiful in this movie. I didn't actually mm. realise just how gory. It is actually very gory. It's full on, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's no surprise that horror horror filmmakers had their undies in a bunch over this kind of stuff because in the 80s, your Friday the 13th Part 7 was getting just eviscerated by the censors, yet Arnie could get away with, or Spielberg or someone like that could get away with this gore level and well, you this know, had you know piles of 
Dead bodies, Body. fully skinned. Yeah, and yeah. Um, arms. Arms blown off. Guys' off guts is blown out. It was, Very full on. Yeah, it was full on. And it, it, that sort of talks about what you said. It's it's the little bit of the horror element that went in there, a little bit of the sci-fi element, all all this stuff mashed together. Just Yeah. It, it just worked. I mean, it has three or four different genres in it, Yeah, this movie, and it somehow balances them perfectly. Yeah, I mean, we know it's an action film, but it just takes these couple of elements. It, it just works really well together. Yeah, yeah, it's very surprising because the behind-the-scenes information, it sounds like it was a tough shoot mm. all around, and there was a lot of problems. And it could have been an absolute disaster with that original Predator costume. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Just original. a disaster. Jean-Claude Van Damme in a red suit as well. <laughs> he was the original uh, stunt man. As you said, the, you know, the, the alien would come out looking all a bit strange and then it would Suddenly dancing. break into dancing. Van Damme. Wow. And things like that, you know? <laughs> I think the best part of this movie is the fact that at no stage is Schwarzenegger guaranteed to survive. Now, here's no. this guy who's built a career on... You know, being the hero and always sort of dominating his opponent and all this sort of stuff with brute force. This is the only, this is the movie. This is why I think it's his best movie. It's because the guy's vulnerable. Yeah, he's, he's vulnerable actually, throughout. Well, that's um, you, you. You're spot on. I mean, we know that Arnie's going to survive some way or another. Most yeah. likely, we, you know, when you go on and watch this movie, Arnie's name's at the top of the yeah. top of the credits and things like that. He's you not know getting killed in the happen, first five, but. You are exactly right. You actually think this guy's in danger. Yeah. You think this is not just your, your standard Arnie movie where he's basically unbeatable. This well, he's is, fighting against a group of thugs. Yeah, and usually Arnie's bigger than everyone. Yeah. That's not the case here. Um, he's out of his depth. Yeah. And, and and I think you pointed it out. He, he, he wins the battle in the end with the Predator, but it's by luck. It's not, it's not about brawn. He just gets his... Ass handed to him. Yeah, and he stumbles. He stumbles onto the thing that that gives him the advantage. Yeah. You know, he falls into that. He slides out of the out of the water into that mud. Yeah, and then luckily, just you know, it happens to be the thing that that masks him from the predator's vision. Yeah, and he, he then uses that, and that's what that's what's kind of good about it. It's not the brute force that that does it for him in the end. It's mm. the fact that he found. Stumbled across this, got a, got a bit of luck, stumbled across this thing that he could use to his advantage. Yeah. And then you get that awesome sort of scene where he's painting himself up in the mud hmm. and then he kind of lights the lights flame, the flame and, and he just screams and it's like this, it's like that sort of primal scream and it's indicating that, hey, I'm going to take this back to basics and I'm going to strip you of all your sort of technology yeah. or whatever and it's going to be, it's going to be mano a mano, and and it's not his brawn that wins out. Yeah, it's the fact that he gets a gets a couple of breaks and uses his smarts. Yeah, which isn't it's not a hallmark for an Arnie movie. No, you know? no. It's, it's look a, how big I am and how hard I can hit you and how how many guns I can. It's shoot. a little bit like what we talked about with First Blood. You yeah. know, there's a brain there, and it's not quite. It's it's an Arnie movie, but with a twist. And the twist is very, in, in both Predator and in First Blood, the twist gave it, makes it a classic. It's the, the twist that, it's the, it's, it's the action formula 
with a really good twist that gives it something else. Yeah. And this movie is, you know, Arnie went on to make a string of very successful movies after this. Yeah. But they were cookie-cutter movies, a lot of them. Um, and I, I sort of, uh, you put that twist on it, how I said it's the, the, the brawn, not the brawn that wins out, it's the brains. I said mano e mano. It's not even mano e mano. That's yeah. that extra little bit. It's mano e aliano. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's it's sort of um, like we said. It's just these couple of little twists that that really kick this thing into into top gear and um, make it yeah his best. Just to close off on the likes, but I still think that if it bleeds, we can kill it. Is a better line than I'll be back. I think it is too. I think it's, I think it's the top of the Arnie pantheon. Yeah, of lines. It is brilliantly delivered. It's perfectly pitched to what they were talking about. It's again one of these one-line things that explains everything to us. And it's just, it's a really, really, really great line. I think it is too. Yeah. yeah. I I actually had one more like. Yeah. I'm not sure you were uh, in full agreement. I'm giving Bill Dukes some some raps. Some raps. I think, no, no, I thought Bill Duke was good. Well, I think they did a really smart thing in that they got the likes of Jesse Ventura to drop in there and sort of give a bit of his over-the-top persona. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> he wasn't going to whip out one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, they got um, they got Shane Black here there to, to, to dole out some pussy gags. Gag, you know, throwing the gags out there. Yeah. Um, and they were they were pretty good, but then they killed them off, and Bill Jukes was left around to carry some of the parts that require a bit of bit of acting. Yeah, a bit of him sort of going going a little bit unhinged. And I'd um, like to and, say that it's a, it's very much an ensemble sort of cast, if you're honest, because you got Schwarzenegger as your star, of course, but there's enough good. There's no look. There's no Oscar winners. There's hardly Schwarzenegger surrounded by Pacino and De Niro, but. They're good enough actors to carry some of that load for him. Yeah, and I think that's why he looks more comfortable I in this movie. I think it is too because he gets left for the for the for the bulk of it um, with Bill Dukes and Carl Weathers. Yeah, and he's they, bouncing off some good actors, yeah, and I think and, that works. Yeah, I mean Duke, especially the start of the movie, he's the cool customer. Yeah. He's he's nothing's phasing him. He's telling Carl Weathers, mm-hmm. you okay, know, here back in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. Watch, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm going to take you out if I need to. And he's cool and calm, and then even when things start to go a little bit pear shaped, he's still this unshakable. Then he starts to come a little bit unhinged, and yeah. this these require a little bit of acting ability, and he's got it, and he does it really well. Yeah. And another really good sort of uh, element in in turning this into a great film. Yeah, absolutely. The dislikes, there's there's not many. Um, I barely had any. <laughs> A couple of the special effects are a little bit shitty now. Um, mm. That's just that's just time. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, for nineteen eighty-seven or eighty-six. Yep, it was eighty-seven. They were top-notch. Yeah, I mean, even the cloaking looks a little bit clunky by today's standards, but it's still pretty damn good. Mm. They've still done a really good job for what they wanted to achieve there. Uh, there was a, there was one part where you first see the predator's hand and it's sort of close up on the leg, so when they're not showing the, the predator in full, where they're yeah. showing just the bits and pieces where it's pretty clear he's, his hand's made of rubber or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like a rubber. The, the or fingers are sort of got, folding uh, yeah. up a little bit when he bends and, and stuff like that. Uh, but as you said, they they 
did a really good job and I think they also had an awareness that some of it wasn't fantastic so they used it sparingly. Yeah. Bit of bit of smarts involved. But yeah, there are some ropey effects here and there. Yeah. Um, but that's that's just generally age. Yep. I believe you had one <laughs> It was a little dislike bit dislike that kinda of came in with regards to the team. Well, there's a little bit of racial profiling going on. A little bit of stereotyping. <laughs> the fact that Billy is an American Indian. Yeah. And he's a tracker yeah. of sorts. It's, it's probably the county characterization they kind of get. Slop, you know, yeah. Bit, there was no need for that. A bit like, sloppy there. Yeah. Um, but in another way, it kind of worked having the tracker character. Yes. Like, I don't know. I guess at the time in the 80s and that sort of thing, people weren't necessarily as educated about these kind of issues and stuff. So they just thought, oh, well, tracker, you know, yeah. American Indian or whatever. But and look, it may the, well have been those guys had those skills and they do. Um, and so it's not f- as far-fetched, but... But it was just... Uh, the reason I think it still worked and it, it didn't sort of bother me as much is because the it played into what you said where they established really quickly who these guys were and that they had different skills and stuff. Yeah. And this was the guy that got them, got them where they needed to go, got them through the passage safely and, yeah. and things like that. So it worked having that character there, but it was a little, probably a little bit clumsy. It was, yeah. It's a little, a a little clumsy, and it's not one of the better characterizations. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, coming back to that bit I was talking about, these guys don't have great character arcs. It's no. far from, you know, we're not talking about Shakespeare-level characterizations. Yeah. But they don't have time for it. No, that's why it works well. And so it does quick. work well. It's just that that Billy character just slightly misses the mark, and it's only because it kind of feels a little cliche somewhat, or it's not the best use of. You know, we we feel that as you said, there's a bit of racial profiling going on, but it doesn't hurt anything. No, I don't end. think it does either. And the character, I mean, he fits with the rest of them, and he's yeah. other than other than that kind of elements of it, he. He works just as well as any of those other ones. Yeah, get, absolutely. Get sort of knocked off. We, we, we all we, we we certainly and and he's actually one probably got favorite. a little bit more characterization than some of the others. Yeah, one of my favorite bits is actually when Shade Black cracks the joke and he kind of looks at him like he's going to punch him or yeah. something, and then yeah, he cracks up into the laugh. Yeah, and then that leads into the predator taking that laugh, and so yeah. And I did kind of dig the fact that they kind of brought up the tracking his tracking skills. As him being the guy who could tell that there was something out there, even though we nobody could see it, he could sort of pick up. He had a feeling on it, and he was able to sort of point out that something out there, you know. Yeah. So I thought I did like the way that kind of tied back in. I believe the final dislike was one that you you brought up, um, the the female character. Yeah. Look, not not a dislike for the actual actress or the. The character in general, it just seems superfluous. There's yeah. there's very little for her to do. She she really exists to tell that brief story um, when they're waiting and they've got all their booby traps set up about how basically the Predator's been around for a while. Yeah. Predators have been coming to town for a while and killing people. Other than that, she's basically, like you said, she's kind of a plot device just to get a well, couple she, of guys Yeah, she separated. gets Shane Black away from everyone else and gets him killed. There's just... There's not a lot for her to do. And you wouldn't it just, put it up in the, in in one of the great female characters. No, <laughs> no, there's not a lot for her to do, and, and it's it's kind of a bit bit of a nothing character. Yeah, I just feel had you have cut that out, 
it probably wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, or actually given us something else to do. Yeah. It just, yeah, I, I agree. There was, but I there guess was there was very no, little in there. There was no way of having it to do anything. And I guess if Shane Blake doesn't get killed first and no one else saw it except her, then what would have happened? Would you know? There yeah. was no reason for him to split up and do the, you know, because she bolts, Shane Black goes after her, he gets killed. They then go sp- spread out 50 metres and find his body. That's when Blaine gets killed. You know, it's a way of subtly slipping everyone away from each other mm. and killing them off. And she's then used to, um, she's then used to kind of turn it into this. It's just this little group as a team now, you know, they're, they're taking her as a, as a prisoner basically. Yeah. And then Arnie cuts her out. Yeah. Cuts her loose and says, we're all in this together. Yeah. So it's just a little thing to say, whatever's coming to get us is more, is more danger to us than we are to each other. Yeah. So she, she really is just used as, as plot devices. Yeah. All the way through. And although, although it, it works fine, um, it probably, there probably were other ways around it. Without having that character at all, mm. and I think it. I think another thing is it kind of meant to. It was meant to tie back into the CIA, the cabinet minister being CIA, and this compound being a, a dodgy sort of US involved sort of compound in in South America. But it doesn't really come across as very well. No, and because it's a movie that's tightly packed into the jungle with an alien. Uh, who's chasing them? Who gives a shit what happened at the compound? Who yeah. gives a shit that the cabinet minister was dodgy? Yeah, doesn't matter. They're stuck. You know. So I just I felt that that was a character that was probably not necessary. Yeah, she's just a bit of a sort of damsel. She yeah. gets saved in the end, and and as we said, just gets used to do these other things. Yeah. But overall, I think we've covered it. Overall, just the just the. Out and out classic for yeah, me. Yeah, definitely. Look, of all Arnie's films, this is the one that I could throw on any time. This is the yeah, this is the best one for me. Terminators are, are pretty close. Terminators are up there. I like, um, I really like True Lies. Yep. Um, but I this just find this one so entertaining and so well made that it never gets old and never gets stale. No. All right, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and uh, let you know what we're going to cover next time. Next episode's actually a double episode. We're going to be holding the inaugural Halloween franchise Smackdown, comparing Halloween 5 to Halloween 6 and deciding which one's actually the worst of the two. So tune in for that. And until next time, take it easy. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me or one word or lowercase at iinet.net.au.